0: To the Bad Guy Radio Production of Black and White Featuring Green Eye Soup Ozzy you. And your boy King Mac What's up King Mac,
1: appreciate
0: it. What's up King Mac Welcome to Black and White Today we got a special episode for you We got my Favorite number guy, or I like to call him one of my favorite numbers guys. And oh, you Jordan- want
2: that one back real
0: quick. <laughs> <And> Jordan Lazowski. <laughs> uh, he do great work over there on Sox on 35th. He do some work for Diamond Digest. He was a two-time Sox math winner. I didn't see the video, man. What happened? I ain't not see your, your video on that. <laughs> but uh, welcome to the show, Jordan. How you doing? Absolute pleasure to be on,
2: gentlemen. Doing great. Not watching the Dallas Keuchel start, even better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how, how, how the rest of you guys doing? How you doing, Green? How you doing, Isaac?
3: Oh, I'm decent, man. Uh, low key, I'm really excited. We got Jordy on the show. I came, be- but I did not think that after this year was over with. I got screenshots of Jordy's pump fake face in my phone, so that's that's a low key trophy. I'm gonna get that <laughs> printed out in frame. I'm okay. How you doing, Austin?
4: Frame it up there, Green Eye. G'day, Jordan. Yeah. G'day, Mac. Yeah, I'm well. I'm well. I'm I'm the dude that's got the TV about two centimeters away from my face on the right side, and Keiko just give up a home run as we speak. But no, nah, I'm looking forward to tonight's show. Thanks for coming on, Jordan.
0: We've got some absolute pearl of questions for you, mate. Love it. Can't wait. Well, let's get right into it because uh, you know I've been noticing on, on White Sox Twitter. That everybody been hammering, you know, Salvador Perez for, you know, his war. Kind of comparing him to Tyler Flower and all that. I personally think as an old school guy, that's a little bit unjust. So I even went and got some of, you know, the the metric guy's favorite numbers, you know, W R C Plus and and WPA, mm-hmm. you know, uh win probability added. And I mean He's having a great year. I mean, even if you look at you guys' numbers besides war, and I'm pretty sure the reason his war is not that great is probably defense, and he doesn't have a a high on base percentage or a great on base percentage. But if you look at everything else across the board, I mean, he's six in the league in WPA. He's above Abreu. I mean, he's above anybody on the White Sox. That's including Grandel. He's above... You know, Makata, he's above Abreu, he's above Anderson. And he's having one of the greatest statistical seasons, especially as far as power, for a catcher in the history of baseball. I mean, there's only been six catches in the history of baseball that ever hit 40-plus home runs. And they only had eight seasons in the history of baseball uh, of a catch a hitting forty home runs, so so why do you guys insist on comparing this man to Tyler Flowers? I so the the season Salvador Perez is having it, it's
2: an interesting one because you're you're rattling off numbers, whatever numbers you're liking, you you can you can make a case for Salvador Perez in, in this season. The, the problem that he it's not a problem. Let, let's choose the right word. The the interesting thing about his season. It is, it's so so power based, and which is interesting for a metrics guy to say to be like, it's all power. Because if you look at it from the perspective of okay, you know, even some of those um metrics you're talking about, WRC, plus, what's driving these numbers? And it's power, it's the 40 home runs. He's got a borderline 300 on base percentage to go with a 270 average. so that's where you realize you're not getting any additional value from just getting on base. It's kind of like an all or nothing type power. And that's why you see, you know, despite the 40 homers, if you look at, let's just start with WRC plus, if you just look at that and say, okay, that's the total run creation for that player above and below average, you've got other catchers who aren't hitting nearly as many home runs above him. And that's because like a Buster Posey, for example, Providing a little bit more on the on-base percentage side. Walking a little bit more. Finding the gap a little bit more. It's not this all power or nothing type of approach. I, I think that's where he gets a lot of his the flack against him offensively is the fact that he's borderline 5% walk rate. And it's hard to have such an all power or nothing approach. Very few guys can survive with a 5% walk rate and, and, and do well. So he's having a great season, but it's because of the way he's playing it, there's that limited ceiling behind it. It's it's a very odd season in terms of how he's getting his production, which is still incredibly solid for the catcher position. Don't get me wrong. It's just a very weird way and in many ways unsustainable way because we're talking about 40 home run season from a catcher. How many times that's been done? Like, can, can what you roll
3: 100
4: him? hits for me, catcher? Did Mike right. Piazza? Mike Piazza never even did that, did he? Yeah,
0: Mike right. Piazza, he had a 40 home run season. He was one of the six guys. Johnny Bench did it twice, Mike Piazza, and I, Mike, I forget. Mike he, did Mike
4: Piazza hit 40?
3: Yeah, did he, he really? Had
0: mm-hmm. He had a 40? I got home games
3: with season. Mike Piazza on it.
0: Yeah, I got, I had, I tweeted out the six guys who did it, and I'm pretty sure Mike Piazza was in there, but uh, And Johnny Bench did it twice. You know what I mean. I mean that's the that's the anomaly with this season is catchers normally don't hit for that type of power for sure. And I mean, uh, I guess the thing that gets me is like, I mean, you could to me to compare Salvador Perez, and this is my problem with war or just using war in general to compare Salvador Perez's career. To Tyler Flowers is like asinine to me. So here's where it comes from. And, and you're bringing up a good point. Just
2: comparing the numbers doesn't give you enough. Let's just say they both put together two war seasons, it, just for the argument's sake. They're doing it in two different ways. Tyler Flowers was getting his from his uh, defensive value. Salvador Perez is doing it from his offensive value. He's so like, what do you prefer? And I I think a lot of people will look at it from an analytically inclined position and say, I'd rather give up some of that all or nothing power, convert it to a little bit more on base, you know, work counts a little bit better, and improve your defense just just so you're not the worst by any metric you really look at other than uh, some of his uh, stolen base percentage numbers. Work on your defense just a bit, and and now you become more of a complete player because it's very hard for Perez to put the value in that he has this season Mm. and and, and do it consistently. I I think it's something you're kind of seeing the argument behind. It's very hard to do what he's doing right now. And And he's been successful. is,
4: um, Is any of it fool's gold, though, Jordan? whats any of these 40 home runs in a game where, I mean, the other day against Cease, it was the first inning, so congratulations. I didn't see every <laughs> every other one of his 39 home runs, but are they the David Wright hits or the home runs that really didn't mean that much? He just got them late in the ball game or mm-hmm. are they really meaningful to the team or was the opposition just pitching to Selby as if who cares if this is a home run We're up by eight or nine already?
2: Yeah. So that's where you start looking at things like I think King Mac, you mentioned it, WPA, uh win probability added, which is basically saying, Hey, in, in terms of how much did you influence the game? Kind of what you're saying. Yeah, yep, yeah. Is, yep, is yep. it is it you know, I hit did it. Did it matter if you hit a home run now? Yeah. yeah. If you hit thirty home runs when you're up nine runs or down nine runs, like your WPA isn't gonna change that because like you you were either definitely winning. It was like your win percentage was either 99% or like 1%. Like you didn't move the needle. So it's like that's where a number like that comes in. I'm not sure where he ranks. I think you ranked it was
0: six. pretty highly. Yeah, he was sixth. Yeah. yeah, he was sixth in the league. He, he So Otani so, was, was one and then Tatis was two. And then I forget the guys that was in between him at six. But, yeah, he, he's pretty high up there. So he's doing a good job making them count when he hits them. At the same time, though, it comes back. Even
2: what you're saying, Jason, it's – is it a flash? And how many times are you going to get a catch that hits 40 homers? Is, is he going to do it again next year?
3: And Eight he straight years of 100 hits, uh, Jordy. So it's like uh, – The only right-handed getting, protection in the Royals on the
4: right, Royals so team. It's like
2: he, he deserves to be recognized for having a great power season because he absolutely is. Mm. But if some so, of that- so why
4: wasn't why wasn't he looked at by some of the big market teams, with, knowing that Kansas City weren't going to be any mm-hmm. good this year, so why wasn't he looked at as a trade bait or anything like? Why, why didn't people come crawling for him then?
0: I don't think Kansas. Sure, City surely, would be
4: surely one. there wasn't twenty seven other teams that said Selby's going to hit 20, uh, 41 home yeah, runs yeah. this year by September first. Mm-hmm.
2: I think, it's, I, I think it's a combination of a couple things. I think it's it, – the contract he's on is similar and I think a little bit bigger than ground So you're taking on a significant chunk of change for the position. The second thing is teams really value some of the framing behind the plate, some of the defensive metrics. and
3: He's good.
2: Whether, <laughs> whether, you, whether you put stock in them or whatever internal metrics a team has – they're probably going to come out relatively similar in that, you know, there are parts of the catching game that he's just not good at. And if you're not seeing him posting a 40-homer season and you're seeing it more on, you know, what's he done throughout his career?
3: Five-time gold glove.
2: It's like, but, but at the same time battling it against,
3: you know. World Series MVP, I think. What does the
2: league think? What do the teams think? I think most teams, despite all these accolades that he's accumulated, most teams will look at it from the standpoint of, you know, is it worth paying $20 million for subpar defensive catching outside of being very good at throwing out base runners? And I'm not really expecting a 40-homer season. So it's like, is it 120 worth it? 120
3: hits from your catcher, though, yes. You, you build around a guy like Salvador Perez. Uh, we've all seen this fucking Kansas City special for the last 20 years, right? I, at least speaking for me, the last 20 years, Jordy, I don't know how old you are. Um, 24. <laughs> 24, right. So you've been around long enough to see the transformation of Kansas City pre-Salvador Perez and now where Billy Butler was the only right-handed hitter of yep. protection in Kansas City for majority of that time. He had to be the only protection in an offensive-deprived system and still make it work. Getting him to the World Series, game-winning hit, down the line. It wasn't a home run, Jordy. It was a Kansas City special. Uh, People disrespect Salvador Perez because of the numbers, and it's a fucking shame because we've all seen with our eyes this man be the only fucking right-handed power protection in a lineup with that featured Alex Gordon, Eric Hosmer, you know, those type of names, and he had to carry them. It wasn't like he was always hurt. He blew his knee out one year. He's given me eight straight years of 120-plus hits. So this 40 home you run like season. Hit.
0: Now you like hits, son.
3: Huh? No, don't worry about that. Don't worry about <laughs> <Okay>. that. <laughs> he plays in Kansas City. That's a big fishbowl. In the middle mm-hmm. of my country, and he's going. He's taking my boy, our boy, Jordy, Dylan Cease, ninety nine off the plate, mm-hmm. dead central over the batter's eye. That's not flashing the pan. That's a good hitter looking for it and getting it. Yeah, you got to stop disrespecting him. Go ahead. And
2: I, I get what you're saying. I don't. I don't think he's a bad hitter by any means. I think when you look at the catcher position in general, it's it's a weak position. The guys, oh, yeah, you, no
3: doubt. There's only three good catchers in the league.
2: The guys mm-hmm. you're able to get, like, hold on. To them. That's why a Salvador Perez gets 20 million. That's why Yasmani Grandal, gets 18 million. Like, those are the, That's a premium position. That that there are not a lot of good talented players in it. So it, it's not like he's a bad offense. He's a good offensive catcher. I think where people will say he's a bad catcher is when you try and take into account everything—the defense included, you know. Right. If he goes on power outages, what used to see become chief—that's that's where you start to get into some of those conversations.
0: I think, uh, like for the metrics community, the problem they have with Salvador Perez is he made the All Star game over Yasmani Grandel, and they like Yasmani Grandel for. Basically, two specific reasons. Framing, which I'm going to be honest, I think framing is subjective. I don't see how you can go from catch, I mean, uh, from umpire to umpire and decide, well, this umpire is not terrible enough where he would have called <coughs> this a strike, this and that. So I'm not going to get into that. And they love the on-base percentage of uh, Yosemite, uh Grandel. My only thing is, Perez, to me, with his 40 home runs, would probably be more valuable on this White Sox team than Yasmani Grandel is to the team now. Because he's going to put up... I mean, if you put him in the lineup with Abreu, with Moncada, with Tim Anderson, those power numbers would equal more runs than we currently have now. And that's how you win the game is by scoring runs. So here's where I'm going to push
2: back on that. And it's because I'm not pushing back. I I see the argument. I think pushback is unfair. Here's where I disagree, I guess. What this team tends to do a lot is to get in real swing happy modes where they're not taking pitches and they're not working at bats and you're in the fifth inning and a pitcher's thrown. 32 pitches and now you're in the seventh and he's thrown 70 and it's like where did it it's like alec mills is destroying us because he's hitting the corners and no one's working the at-bat that's the value of Grandal, is he is a left-handed bat compliments the lineup that is willing to just sit there and be like you know if you're not going to give me anything to hit i'm going to work a nine pitch at bat take my walk and now we've at least made the pitch work nine and now you've now you've given and you've learned some information as a hitter about what this guy's doing, what this guy's got, maybe what he doesn't got that day. That's where some of his value comes in. Now, if he keeps sitting like he's hitting now, like you, you're going to have a hard time convincing me be- between the power output currently, between the on base percentage, and between some of the value he provides behind the plate, no matter how drastic you think it is that. He, he doesn't complement this lineup better. It's not that Perez is, wouldn't fit in this lineup. I mean, his 40 home runs would be much appreciated in a team. It would be
3: like two Eloys runs. if we had right. Salvi.
2: It's So that's actually a really good comp is Eloy. That That is a very similar type player.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
2: But it's like if Eloy gets in a stretch like he's having now, where he's just swinging at anything.
3: Andrew Vaughn too.
2: Andrew Vaughn, When these guys get into modes where they're just swinging at everything – they lose a lot of that power value, and that's where you want um, that, to. That's where you want to kind of balance it off of. You know who complements this lineup well, and, and
0: keeping that in mind too.
1: What? Yeah,
3: I mean, no, yeah. I, uh, go ahead, uh, Matt.
0: It's like okay. what I understand now it's like the power thing. I remember you know when I was making this argument why I thought. Uh, a player that's no longer on the White Sox, would be good, which was magical. Mm -hmm. I was talking about the number of hits he would create. He would get on base, which a lot of people were like, well, he might not get on base as much because he don't take too many walks, but he was getting on base at like a 350, 360 clip, which is pretty good. Uh, He doesn't strike out a lot, but this is what some in the metrics community would use to knock it down. Well, he's not gonna have any power. So it's Mm -hmm. like interesting to hear the metric community argue that Salvador power don't matter. That's a detriment almost. So I wouldn't say it's a detriment. I would push back
2: on people who say it's detriment. Power's
0: power. Like you can count on that.
2: I think it's about finding
3: I'm trying He's, only, he's he, The Royals don't score if Salvi ain't blasting that right. to the fountain.
0: Well, I mean, you're so, so green. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Joy. But you're so green. I, you, you know, you was arguing about, you didn't like Adam Frazier. Same reason. No power. Yeah. Still don't. You didn't Not like for this lineup. <laughs> you didn't. You you know. Right, you you
2: the lineup. <laughs> what makes sense for a lineup too?
0: You made her, the, the Hernandez argument that Hernandez was better than magical because of the power. Slap dick motherfucker. And I talked about them getting hits. <laughs> and now you come out talking about uh, Salvi Perez gets 120 hits per year. Every
3: goddamn now, year.
0: Now hits matter?
3: Oh, come
1: yeah. on now, dog. It
0: does.
3: Come on, man.
2: I think where you're going to see it, you know, it's about what's the most sustainable model for a player. Madrigal and the on-base was driven by getting hits. So if he decides he's going to go on a two-for-30 stretch, like, he's just not getting on base. He's swinging and everything. He's got a 6% walk. Like, I, he's an out in the lineup if he goes on a two-for-30 stretch. Like, that's brutal. Perez, same thing. Exactly, (laughs) Perez. If he goes two for thirty, hits two homers and strikes out fifteen times in that stretch, that's a brutal stretch. With Grandal, the the where his on base percentage comes from is walking and having good at bats. You can count on a guy to work, count, have good at bats, drive that on base. So when he's going through a two for thirty slump, like he was hitting one sixty this year.
1: He's hey still you know. getting
2: on base at a 340, 350. Like that's finding value and having value when you're slumping. I, I think that's where people start to, and I don't think people explain it well. Don't get me wrong, uh, the analytics people. That's where if a player is too dependent on one area to provide his value, a lot of people are going to push back on that. Madrigal is very dependent on putting the ball in play and finding holes. Perez super dependent on the power. Grandel, he's dependent on working at-bats. And slumping or not, you're probably going to work some good at-bats. And I think that's where people try and pick the middle.
4: And this is where I pick the middle, Jordan. And if I can have the floor for a second, because this is one of my biggest things about Grandel. Okay, and it brought to my attention. I was watching a few games like we always do. Watch the games, Darren, and listen to the games on the way home from work before I get in front of the television. Darren Jackson. In my, he, he put it in my vision that Grandel just needs to get after a couple of them pitches. Two and oh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, one and one fastball down the middle. Why didn't he, Why didn't he fucking take a charge? of That sure end up end up taking a walk. End up taking a walk. End up taking a walk. And you, yourself, and everyone else, oh, he gets on base, he gets on base, and putting up your little memes about getting on base and how exciting. The gifs. And the gifs, the gifs, and he gets on base, and he either gets left on base or he gets um, forced out at second, which is, I guess, considered left on base as well. When... Yasmani Grandel come back from his injury. So whether or not it was the knee, the hip, the ankle, Mm -hmm. the mind, or the green light, the blue light, whatever. And the one night in particular, Jordan, when he hit that three home runs, maybe it was two, maybe it was three. I can't remember now, but eight RBIs, And I, I, I put a little tweet out on Twitter and it was funny because I took the piss out of it and I made it sound like I was really dumb. And I said, ha-ha, I'd rather take this than than eight uh, eight RBIs, three home runs, and some nerd bullshit percentage. And a lot of people didn't understand that I was being sarcastic about that as far as, okay, I sound dumb compared to the the Jordan Lazowskis of the world. But can you tell me, honestly, in your mind, would you not rather Yaz swinging that two-to-two pitch one one pitch hitting a home run, then taking a walk and leaving it to the next guy. When we, when we bought Yasmani Grandel to this team to smash home runs to drive in runs, so that was that. This has been my big, And everyone who talks, talks about Yasmani Grandel all year. Hey, we're not haters. We want him to put him over the fucking fence, right? Sure. And. And and we've got these statisticians and these guys that say, hey, he's getting on pace, It's great, but the guy in Cincinnati, in Cincinnati, when Yasmani was batting seventh and behind him, we had at the time I can't remember, but maybe two two duds. Um, maybe they weren't doing too well. Jake Lamb, whoever it was. Mm-hmm. Yasmini Grandel wasn't seeing any pitches to hit, so he gets a walk, and then he ends up going back and putting on his catcher's gear because he didn't even have a chance to have a hit. But when he does get that chance on 1-1 one, one or 2-2, two, two, drive that fucking ball out of the ballpark, and that night that he did and scored a whole bunch of runs, we won the game, everything's exciting. How, how, how does one explain that that's not better than, dry, uh, than taking three walks per game? It is. 100 percent the
2: numbers whatever numbers you look at will always love home runs hits, runs triples doubles even singles more than walks any metrics likes a hit like the old saying of walks as good as a hit metrics don't really agree with that because there's a little bit more ba- i think mac we've had this conversation yeah. before mm-hmm. base hit might move a guy first to third that changes your winning percentage a little bit. It, it all just comes up as the accumulation of numbers over the course of a the season. There's no one who's going to say, I'd prefer a three walk night than a two homer night. I think anyone who does doesn't have a great understanding of the numbers either. But I, they were, I got quoted
4: Jordan. I got quote tweeted by some lads that says, what a fucking joke this thinking <laughs> And I'm like, you, you don't like fucking eight right? You don't like fucking you know AWI. Why it the was? fuck did everyone why the fuck did everyone walk Barry Bonds in in every situation possible? Mm-hmm. Because base walks is are loaded. so cool. No, no, without whatever basis load or no one on they walk Barry Bonds. Is is a walk that fucking so fucking fantastic? <laughs> They get
0: Aussie popped up today.
4: <laughs> oh, no, because they're scared of hitting the home run and giving up a fucking run. So these fucking pencil pushes that tell me that Yasmani Grandel is better off taking a fucking walk. And he's such a fucking superstar for doing it. No, I want him to crush that fucking one one pitch over the fucking wall, Jordan. This is what I'm this is why. This is the only Christian I had for you tonight, mate. And I'm glad I'm here to ask you. So please answer that. No, I I agree. If he's – so here's – here's I think where it comes.
2: You knew early in this season, Grandal was just not seeing the ball well. He really wasn't squaring it up. When he was, he was putting it into the ground. And it's like that's the sort of stretch in the slump, and that's why everyone's like, oh, he sucks. We overpaid him $18 million. I think the point and I, part of what it was for me, too, it was take the step back and be like, even though he's not like seeing the ball real well, he's willing to wait out walks. And I prefer a walk than him rolling over on a ground ball into the shift. Like I I
4: need I need to take those walks because I know you, he's going to roll into the shift if he doesn't swing the back sure, on, on the cock. Sure. But put when you're a guy
3: the,
4: put that in the Goose Island. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> <goose laughs> right you.
2: But at the same when you're a guy who's just not seeing the ball well, or maybe your knees really bothering you and you don't feel like yourself. Okay, I and I agree with that. that.
4: If he if he, if he was unhealthy, where, fair enough.
2: And I think that's where you're seeing a difference now though, is he's still taking his walks. He's still being incredibly selective. But he sees one one, three two on the corners of the zone. He's not necessarily just taking it right now. He's hitting to the gaps. He's finding
4: ways.
2: CPS Monty
4: Grandell.
2: And so I anyone who sits there and says I'd rather have the three walks than the two homers, they're they're lying to you. I I'll be honest. That's it's it. just it's just I mean the numbers don't back it up, the runs don't back it's neither either way you look at it. I, I think the additional value there comes from being able to work the count and being willing to take your walks, where in a healthy lineup, that's, that, this is a really good thing. With Jake Lamb hit behind you and uh, Larry Garcia, when he was sl- – like all those guys hit behind you, that's just wasted value, in my opinion. If you're taking a walk and the next two guys behind you are out, well, that's probably why you got walks <laughs> If Very I'm,
3: legend. Put some respect on his name, Jordan. I know my I uncle Ken. Will, my
4: uncle Ken. Will, will barbecue. Yeah, but you for, you, you, but you bring up that's why you got walked. But he didn't get walked intentionally. There was a couple of fastballs sure. down down the fucking hittable fastballs that sure. you took.
2: And I think that's where the combination. It, it's all the combination of you know maybe he just wasn't feeling himself yet. Maybe there's an injury. It's like all of those things mixed together, where it's like that. That's the enigma of a play, like. Yeah, I wish he took. I, I wish he swung a way more two oh fastballs than he did earlier in the year. But even though he wasn't, and he was slumping and he was struggling, he was struggling early on to get hits. He was finding he was other hurt. ways. Yeah, he was hurt, and but at the same time, he's finding other ways to provide some value. It's not more value than hitting two homers a game, but taking your walks and finding ways. I, I look at it this way. The most important thing a player can do every time he goes to bat is not use one of your 27 outs. You only get 27 of those, and that controls the ball game. Anytime you don't use one of those, you've had a productive at-bat. Now, there's varying levels of productive at-bats. A a walk isn't as productive as a homer, but it's finding ways to be productive in every situation. And then that's where the comment comes in of, I want you to be more productive. Give up some of those walks and hit a couple more homers. Because in the aggregate, that's more valuable. So that's where it all just kind of cycles around. It's different levels of value. What do you place the emphasis on versus what do some other people? And what does a slumping Grandal place the emphasis on?
3: Well, Jordy, that's what I wanted to get into is because a lot of these people who rating Yasmani Grandal as, as, you know, a top-ranked catcher, uh, you got to think he's walking – at one he's averaging one walk you know per game he was at you know point uh, uh half a walk a game last year you know the abbreviated season whatever yeah, he's yeah. going to be on season uh he's been the same player his whole career so now all of a sudden he put on those south side pinstripes and now he's the top three catcher when in fact those who watch the game we know who he is. he's going to hit the ball over the fence and he's going to be very patient He's like mm-hmm. he's like one of those Aussie saltwater crocodiles, those twenty-six footers in <laughs> the mangroves. Okay, he lies in wait. That's why he's mm-hmm. very, very selective. Yoan Moncada, he he's a fucking he's a brown snake from uh, you know Australia. <laughs> you know they lie in wait. Those are yep. cold-blooded uh, players. To whereas they don't wait for the game to fire them up. They're very selective anyway. For sure. So a lot of people are looking at Yasmani Grandal's production as, you know, a, and I'm not a Yas hater by any means. I love him. He's from he's he's a hurricane for God's sakes. But uh you
0: can't be a Yas hater if you like Moncada.
3: Yeah, they are the same guy. There's, exactly. There's the yep. So people are using the wrong metrics to fucking to quantify these players and that's where we get the unnecessary slander. <laughs> That's why we get the spam tweets. Uh, Why don't people use barrel percentage with Yasmani Grandal? Why don't people talk about Yohan Moncada's uh, Babbitt or his walk rate or his barrel percentage? People look at him in a way that I don't want to compare Yohan Moncada to every other third baseman because he's an outlier. He's one of the few third basemen outside of Jose Ramirez that is a switch hitter, versatile. You can bat him anywhere in the lineup. He's going to take his walk and he's going to hit very hard baseballs when he's right. Last night was a perfect example. He was my pick to click. Why do we got to get outside of the realm to quantify these guys? Just because we have other stats available is beyond me. That's why I, I kind of look at metrics the other way because they forget the player make the numbers. The numbers don't make the player.
2: Sure. It's, it's the classic argument of, you know, a five-win player versus a four-win player. It's like, well, where is that difference in value? It's like, so let, let me put it this way. Like comparing a player who's got 5.3 wins or 5.3 war versus 5.0 war, that's that's a very – that's an, that's not necessary for an argument. Like that small of a difference, it's like you're you're picking at straws at that point. When you're comparing five to four or five to three, now you're like, all right, well, what's the difference in the value? Like, like what is this player doing differently that's leading to the five wins than the player that's at three? Or even comparing two five-win players. Like, they're not doing it the same way. That's where you look at, like, barrel percentage or hard-hit percentage, and you start to get an idea of, oh, that's how. Like, he's hitting the ball real hard, and I bet he's finding gaps, and that's what drives a high Babbitt. If you're lining balls and you're hitting it hard enough to where you're finding holes, it's your Babbitt's high because you're hitting the ball hard. Like that's part of the equation there. I get that. And then there's players like a Nolan Arenado who during a down season right now, offensively for his standards, because he's such a strong defender, he's still going to be at the top of the leaderboards. Like not every five, not every five win player is made the same. I think that's where, you know, comparing players is tough because it's easy to take that one number. And that's that's meant to give you a baseline. And and that's meant to give you a stance that he is a five-win player. Okay, how did he get there? Do I like, what do I like about what he does? And what do I like about a different guy that might do things a little bit better? And comparing these types of players and understanding, yeah, well, Yohan Mokad is probably top three third baseman right now. But the way he gets his value, especially this season, has been heavily defensive until recently with his current eight, like 17-game hidden streak or whatever. You start to figure out, you know, where, again, how these players are made up. It all comes back to what we all watch and, and how it's being quantified. And you can kind of get a sense just by watching a player and looking at their, to just continue the discussion, their war value, you, you can get a pretty good sense of where this ball player came from and how he's getting his value.
4: Right, exactly. So that's what we all talk about as far as the eye test. We watch the games with our <laughs> eyes without the numbers crunching and the, the the OPS, WAR, and all this other bollocks. Like, I'm an old school 44-year-old sure. bloke that watches the game And to be honest, the only numbers that I grew up with were batting average RBIs. Uh, Yeah, you look up how many hits a bloke has had, but Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, wouldn't you say a 300-hitter and 80 to 100 RBI is a successful season and he should be in getting the the at-bats? And do you think some people overthink Blake's now last year in the uh, was it last year in the World Series where they, mm-hmm. they yanked, Is it do people overthink numbers?
1: I think
2: there, there's a couple schools of thought to this one. I think in some ways, kind of, I, I would almost say they underthink them. In terms Jimmy of- Lambert
4: last, Jimmy Lambert last night, how how long?
3: Very sexy. Did they,
4: did they keep him in longer because he was doing well? Did they have a plan to take him out in the third? Shit like that. Right. Right, go ahead, Jordan. I'm, I'm sorry no. to cut you off, mate. Go
2: no, for sure. I, I get what you're saying. I think in some ways people underthink them in that they just say, okay, Yohan Moncada is a 5.1 win player and Aaron is a 4.9 win player. Moncada is so much better. And if you boil it down to just that one number, like it's a great place to start and I will never knock what wins above replacement can do. But if you let that be the end of your conversation, you're not going to have a fruitful conversation. And I, I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Now, when you're looking at guys, you're like, let's just say 300 hitter, 20 homers, 80 RBIs. That's a solid ball player. The numbers are probably going to reflect that, too, because a lot of these advanced numbers, even like WRC+, plus WP, all of these numbers kind of take, they have to start somewhere. I'm trying to think of a good example. So there's this this, this stat I like a lot. It's called weighted on base average. It basically takes batting average, on base percentage, slugging, and combines that all, and takes some of the weaknesses of each of those, and combines them all, and, but it takes their strengths too because the game's built on batting average, home runs, RBI. It's the you know, number of hits you've got, what type of hits you got, and at the same time, what are the ways where you find finding to get on base? Like it, it's all built from those roots, and I think that's. Sometimes we're, it feels like we're arguing the same thing. We're just not on the same page in the way we're doing it.
4: Someone I'm, knows a little bit more than what the other bloke does. Well,
2: yeah. Cause if someone tries to use average and home runs or a, a classic slash line that you'll see on a graphic, uh batting average, home runs, RBI. And they use that in an argument and someone will be like, well, look at X, Y, Z advance numbers. They're probably going to give. Honestly, if you just took a step back, they're probably going to give you the same general answer, and that's 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 a solid ball player. Now, with some and and it's
4: really never going to, it's never really going to one hundred percent guarantee that a certain guy is going to get another certain guy out, like a lefty versus David Justice or a lefty. Oh, this John Olerud has never hit hit John Rocker for a base hit before. So he brings him in, and then Joel, John Oliver gets a base hit in the fucking World Series. Playing so that, for uh, Toronto versus Atlanta or whatever it was back in the day. Philadelphia, maybe. Yeah.
2: It brings up your next point. It's
4: like, you know, this game,
2: you can't, you, you don't know what's happening next. You really don't. And yeah. Yeah. what the numbers try to do is give you the highest percentage
4: chance of what's about to happen. It's like, so would you have taken Blake Snell out of that game last year? Let's, so let's I've had honest. that
2: conversation.
4: The, the, <laughs> I the, know you have. Would you not? Would you have taken him out in the fifth, like or whatever it was in the last the, year? The 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 longtime baseball player
2: in me, even with the numbers, I'm like, I'm at least sending him out there for the next day.
1: And at at first time
2: in trouble, he's gone. At, at, at least first time of trouble, he's gone. But but at the same time, but my decision is informed on the fact that I know I'm walking a tightrope. Like third time through the order, these guys have the highest chance of getting a hit against Blake Snell the third time they've seen him. So I know I'm walking a tightrope right now.
3: That's my but, number one, Jordy.
2: But I and I'll let you <laughs> I, I'll let you start that. You've given me enough today to prove that. Hey, some it's all the percentages game. Maybe those percentages are a little bit different today than they would be uh, two weeks earlier. So it's like th- that's that's where I think some of the numbers kind of get misconstrued is that it's not saying th- – th- the decision for um, Kevin Cash last offseason – or last in the World Series wasn't th- – the sheet with the stats didn't say take Blake Snell out as soon as he faces the third time through the order. It said Blake Snell's – the third time through the order, hitters hit Whatever it was, like three fifty off of him. Versus the second time, it's three hundred. First time, it's like two forty. So he just that sees, team, that team in particular, or right, just on average, they'll go by player, by team as as far as they can. They'll get as drilled down by team as possible, and they'll he'll look at that and say, "This is their best chance of hitting him. How do I?" Feel Feel about sending him back out when I've got an electric bullpen that I have built my
3: team on. That was lazy because, manager. That was really- right, right.
2: It's like it. It didn't just say, but I, I think that's where, and that's where I get frustrated with some of the, the, the knocks, especially surrounding that uh, last World Series was analytics ruined the game. It's like
4: they lost. To are you the taking Dodgers? Jack Morris out? Are you taking Jack Morris out of the Game Seven World Series in nineteen ninety? One, I mean, oh, you're oh, talking
2: no. about that the difference there. That's a different era, that's a different breed of pitcher. Pitchers because why? To...
4: Because I didn't have fucking computers in anyway. a
2: Circumstances were the same, though, Jordy. Sure, but they're built the players are built a different way. Players built today are built for all gas, give me six innings, give me everything you got in six.
4: Players back no. so then no. were
2: built to say,
4: you know, I'm going to live I'm going, going to live <laughs> exactly. I'm <laughs> going give be, me 11. 11. <laughs> Maybe managers were built different too to say, hey, motherfucker, you're killing it. You're yep. going back out there. What it's about funny. Matt Harvey? What about Matt Harvey against the Royals? And he probably should have come out. Mm-hmm. And and the, the Mets yep. manager right now is uh, slipping my mind, but he gave into it, which is sort of cool, but he should have thrown that fucking dude in the reliever. And and finish the job, and they would have won the World Series and said the fucking Royals.
3: So, hold on. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jordy.
2: I was going to say, so that's where you kind of get into. Which way would you rather fail as a manager? Would you rather fail going by the book and saying, "Hey, he's dealing right now. I'm gonna leave him in." Yeah. Or would you rather fail by saying, "Hey, I'm gonna trust the numbers here, and I'm gonna trust what we've done all season with Blake Snell." I'd rather, oh, I'd
4: rather.
3: I'd Kevin rather. Kevin Cash fail. is a fucking catcher. He should uh, know what Blake Snell is at the end of the day doing.
4: And how good he. I'd rather fail with what's in front of my eyes because. And, you, and
1: you want, everyone so, and, in
4: America said Blake Snell was fucking yep. kicking ass. Kick if he ass. fails after that, how many people are going to go? Oh, you should have taken him out. Exactly. No no one, one no one in the fucking him. world exactly. is going to say you should have taken Blake Snell out in that situation. No one. That is the. Most that is the most if they take Lance Lynn, if they take Lance, Tony LaRusso wouldn't be that sh- fucking stupid. If they take Lance Lynn out <laughs> the fucking fifth and a half inning or sixth inning after what eight uh, 65 pitches because the fucking paperwork says we're better off, nah, you put you keep Lance Lynn in there to finish it.
2: That is the most fundamental argument behind new school. Old school baseball.
4: Thank you. Is how and that's why would, we got
2: you. That's is, why we got you, <laughs> That's the most fundamental. That's the fundamental question. How would you rather fail? Because this game's all about failure.
1: Would all you rather failure. fail
2: by the book and by what you see right now, or would you rather fail in that unconventional way when you do something people don't agree with? Which way are you gonna sit there and say, "I choose to fail this way"? That's what baseball's the new school and the old school
4: argument. It's choosing to fail either conventionally by well, conventional Well, the wisdom. new school wouldn't be brought out to the it's like a hindsight thing. The new the new school way wouldn't be brought out to the next day. It, I, it, it depends
2: on so it's like it, it's using this example of would you rather fail with um, Andrew Vaughn at the plate or Lerer Garcia? It's like, the numbers are going to tell you one thing. Damn. The outcome might tell you a different it. thing. So it's like, when you have a conversation like that, it's like,
4: you, someone's failing.
1: Like, it's, and almost like,
4: it's almost like Jordan. It's almost like, prove it to me. Prove it to me that he's going to fail. And if he does, I'll I'll accept the failure. And you bring be honest, someone else in in that situation, and then they will fail. You always look back, and uh, again, exact, I go Hinds, 2020, hindsight twenty twenty, and you go, you should have left Blake Snell in. But when in that situation, Blackstone was fucking dealing, and everyone on that bench was fucking so happy that Blake's yep. now left the. But then you look on the other, you look at the other side of it, and look
2: at the Dodgers. You know, people are like, oh, analytics lost the World Series last year. Analytics also won the World Series with the Dodgers, who have the largest analytics staff of any team in Major League Baseball. Cruise control through into the playoffs. That team, (laughs) unbelievable. And they just happened, their players happened
0: to not fail in the situations. I got to push back on that just a little bit. Oh, shit. All right, go ahead. With the analytics thing as far as the Dodgers. I don't need anything analytically to tell me to go get Mookie Betts. I don't <laughs> sure. I don't so need is... I don't need anything analytically to say I should hold on the Clayton Kershaw. I don't need For anything right. analytically to say, you know, Walker Beadle. All these great players I, they get. Yeah. You know I'm what I mean? I'm talking
2: more so no, I get what you're saying. I'm talking more so from the argument of when Dave Roberts decides to pull one of his starters, or when he decides to make a second bullpen change.
0: When you agree agree, uh, Dave Roberts is a mixture of both because the analytics community for like two years was killing Dave Roberts because of some of the moves he was making. So it's kind of like a catch, you know, 20 moment or whatever because (laughs) it's easy to say this 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 team is analytical, but then y'all was just killing this guy two years ago Based on analytics. So I think like David Roberts to me. He's more of like a mixture. Of both. Sure. I think he goes with his field sometimes. And then sometimes he goes with the numbers. I mean. And it-
2: you can tell what type of a manager someone is. By who he pisses off. Yeah,
1: nice. Bingo. If he pisses off both sides.
2: <laughs> if he pisses off both sides of the argument. He's he's going to trust a little bit of both. Yeah, And I think that's where you've got to lie. I, I, I think. The, the, the numbers need to inform, be an informational part of your decision. I think in today's day and age, you do yourself a disservice by not looking at the numbers of the situation. You can choose to do whatever you want. With them. I don't think Tony La Russa pulls Blake Snell, but I think Tony La Russa looks at the numbers and says, I understand the risk I'm taking here. I'm choosing to take. It. And well, that's fine. Well, an he,
0: old created, he created He's a lot choosing. of that shit, though. I mean... Right, maybe did, not the maybe the not the acronyms, teams, maybe not the acronyms, but I mean he was way ahead of his time when he was managing back in the day. He revolutionized the bullpen. I completely agree with that. Yeah, so I don't see why like, people thought he would be outdated besides his age. It's like in this in this day and time, and I, you know I'm a little older than you guys, but it's like people don't value uh, experience anymore. Experience mm-hmm. is a is a good thing because yep. with experience you learn you, you you learn from your failures you learn mm-hmm. what worked. you learn what didn't work you didn't seen several different situations in baseball that you got in your memory that you can go to and say hey last time I did this it didn't work let me go to something else let me yep. try this and I think you know that's that's the one part I didn't like about well you know he's a you know, outdated, and the game has passed them by. Like, how could the game pass a guy who won numerous World Series, a Hall of Famer, invented some of the things in baseball that's used today? How could the game possibly pass them by? I never understood that argument. But with that being said, because you were so gracious enough to come on here with us, three dinosaurs. <laughs> As I like to call us, dun, <laughs> dun, and you dun, and, and you can call us dinosaurs today. Since uh, since uh, Ozzy, you—that's what got you in trouble with your tweet. Ozzy is the nerd thing; they don't like that. The analytic community <laughs> don't like you that. Can they, don't like you want. <laughs> they don't like that, Ozzy. But since dude, you was, dude, <laughs> go ahead. Don't assume my intelligence.
4: <laughs> go ahead. And, and the way I, I, the way I posted it, it made me sound like I was dumb. And put it for oh, some some fucking percentage nerd shit, and people didn't understand that, <laughs> and like they they didn't take they didn't see the fucking fun in it. That's and the I curse got of fucking, Twitter. That's the curse of Twitter. <laughs> and
0: yeah,
4: that is. I I I actually put it to make it sound like it was so dumb that I didn't understand percentages and shit. Never went to high school, and people fucking still jumped on my ass about that shit. Like, I'm i give it up.
0: Well, since you was so gracious to come on this show with us old three dinosaurs, you know, we all I test guys. I get into the numbers a little bit, but you was gracious enough to come on here, so I know it's like the twilight zone for you. So we got something for you.
4: There is a fifth dimension. Beyond that which is known to man. It is
3: a dimension as vast as space. And as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow. Between science and superstition. And it lies between the pit of man's fears. And the
0: summit of his knowledge. So what is the most <laughs> irritating thing you hear about Yohan Mankata. From us so called dinosaurs.
2: That he's a bust. I think that's the easiest one.
0: Um,
2: I get. I, I think if you sit down and you have a conversation with someone who's legitimately frustrated with the season Moncada has had, I think you'll. Kinwell. I think you'll find we kind of agree on what is disappointing. It's the power numbers. We know he can be a twenty-five homer player. He's just not, and I think we all agree on that. No matter which way you look at it, I, I think where it comes in, in into the bus territory is like if you're is the expectations you placed on him. And where you I, I guess where your understanding was of what type of ball player he was going to be. I, I think he's been very much in many similar ways. Exactly what the scouting report said. Hey, he's got a little bit of swing and miss, but his eye is absolutely incredible. And you're going to have to take the good with the bad there. You're going to see some strikeouts because of that eye and how willing he is to take pitches at times. At the same time, he's got gap power. He's a great defensive third baseman. Gold chains. And he's the type of guy that you're looking at and you're like, that's where it's the argument of there's value he's still putting on the field, even when he's not hitting for power. That's where all of those conversations come into play is it's like I, a lot of people have said bust and, and there are people who are, are frustrated and are calling it a disappointment it's hard to be a disappointment when you're putting up the season he is in terms of again get the value when you're struggling on base great defense where the disappointment lies and the frustration lies is the power i think we all agree on the um, fucking
3: dinosaurs are killing the Moncada I, I, I situation.
4: Think the, I, no, I think the disappointment is he was ranked top one in the 100 thing when we got him for mm-hmm. sale, which I've, I've always said Kopeck was the biggest uh transition in that. We got Kopeck for sale. Moncada was just the additive. But the fact that everyone puts Moncada on a pedestal, right? Like, who are we talking, Robert, Roberto Alomar? I, I want him to be Better. Roberto Alomar. Sure. And, and, and and people told me he was going to be Roberto Alomar. And he's more like a fucking, I, I, yeah, I'm not even, I can't even make up a name right now. But if Damn. you want to tell me he's Robbie Alomar and he's not, then don't fucking at me when I go, hey, man, your mom, uh, yeah, Moncada needs to do a little bit more. So
2: I guess my question I'm not saying
4: that- – I'm not saying he's pathetic. I'm not saying he's shit. Sure. I want him to be a superstar that you told me he was going to be. And big deal if he's on a fucking 20-game hitting streak if he gets one hit and strikes out the next four times, Joel. Sure. So I guess my
2: question back to you is – you know, what were you expecting? What, what was the... I was attack? expecting what
4: everyone fucking told me he was going to be. <laughs> With, so put problem. it into a numbers thing. Give me a slash. Hold on. Well, I've said on this show before, at least 22 home runs. Well, look, at least 17 to 20. So you were looking for a 20 home run player? Well, yeah, I guess. what he is. Why wouldn't yeah, I? Why wouldn't I? If he's supposed to be the fucking top 100... And, and a beast, and he's built like a fucking brick shithouse, and he's fitter than a butcher's dog, and he's got tats, <laughs> and he's really gorgeous, personal. and everyone fucking loves him. Then give me—I I read out on this fucking uh, podcast last week some geezer from Beautiful. fucking Seattle that no cunts ever fucking heard of that's got better <laughs> numbers than him, Jordan.
1: Okay, breathe. <laughs>
4: he's got better numbers than him, Jordan. Who? Who was that green eye? Who did I say last week? That Seattle you dog. Said, I had better Toy than Fridge. my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck is Toy Friends? And Yohan Mankata is on our team. It's supposed to be fucking fantastic. And he's not. He's average. I, and I think
2: what's average about him is the power output right now.
4: Give I, me I, fucking I, more, for fuck's sake. Jesus Christ. He's on. You got to kill
3: to give uh, you what you want, Aussie.
4: A fucking flare over the fucking first baseman's head for one hit and everyone's jumping on my shit. DMing me and going, Oh, you still hate Mon Carter? He strikes out the next fucking three times in Toronto, Jordan. That's not Paul Molina, that's not Roberto Alomar. that's not fucking Jesus Christ, man. I think that's the problem. Mel I think, Gibson. I think, uh, of Christ.
0: I think his. Gimme give gimme give more. I think his stance his stands, his, stands, <laughs> his stands, has elevated him to these expectations mm-hmm. that he's never going to meet. And I think his, the best way I can put it is his stands overvalue him, and his detractors go with this shit. undervalue. Him. They do. I'm just. i telling you, They do overvalue. But yeah, they, he ain't Marco. He's not Marco if, if he get if the if, the it, if he get a single and it's 110 mile per hour exit velo, his stands gonna tweet out goat. I mean, come on, go That shit going nah. too far. <laughs> that shit going too far. So they, you Guys. know, they they overvalue. <laughs> they overvalue him. And the detractors undervalue. Was
3: gonna be a 300 hitter when he was in the Red Sox.
0: It. They lost. Because
3: I told us he
4: was Justin.
3: He he's a he's a career two fifty to two seventy five hitter. Uh, he's and that's fine. That
0: that's not bad. Well, that, 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 that's pretty good. He hit three hundred in twenty nineteen. He he did. But that's an outlier year. Salvador right.
3: Perez okay. has forty home runs in a twenty twenty one season in a fishbowl, Mac.
0: Okay.
3: He's taking my boy Dylan Cease ninety nine off the plate away dead
0: central. <laughs> Mac, still, he, uh, the Cease so thing I got think, you done.
3: I think it's
2: it comes life. down to a floor and a ceiling argument. You know, a, a
3: player's ceiling He got a high his, floor, Jordy. He got a it, yeah. got a high floor.
2: A player's ceiling isn't necessarily his floor. So, Yoan Moncada, let's look at 2019 numbers. I'm pulling them up right now. That okay. 300 season <laughs> with the 25 homers, that's probably the Moncada ceiling. Three fifteen average, three sixty seven on base, five
3: forty eight slugging. He wasn't that guy in the Red Sox. I'm a I'm a diehard
4: Red Sox. You say tw- I don't care. Uh, you say twenty five home runs, Jordan. Yep.
0: Yeah, in twenty nineteen,
4: he had twenty five. Rest, 25 my, home rest my fucking
2: kite. So right that. So ex- so that's your when you're doing projections and you're looking at a guy, and you say this guy can be a twenty five home run player. He can be. He very clearly can be. It, it, it that's but that's the ceiling. Like the guy's we'll not always three going to, out
3: of ten years in his career.
2: You're not always going to get to play at that ceiling. He's not always. And this is just yeah. how I view. It. He not he's a not always going to play at the um his the, max. the 25 home run
1: ceiling. Mm-hmm. No, well, at, why not?
4: Her, Jose Abreu's driven in 100 plus RBIs every night. hit we're every night, him every a every year. Statue, he, and, he, 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 we're just talking he, about.
1: He's
0: not, he, he's not. He's not. This is the thing. We're, he's, we're not Jose, about, he's not Jose uh, Abreu. He's not Jose Abreu. Player. He's we, not. He's not Jose Abreu, Ozzie. Because and I
4: want him to be a, Jordan. You said that
0: he's not. Ceiling. He's not going to be. He's not going to be Jose Abreu because, and I know Jordan probably pushed back on this, but the truth of the matter is one thing that's important in all players that you can't not measure is their motor, their mentality. You're talking about two different mentalities. Moncada mentality is totally different than a Braves monta- monta- uh, mentality. The same thing, Robert mentality is totally different than Moncada mentality. So the reason certain players can be consistently good, as far as putting up those, uh, what what Jordan say, ceiling numbers or reaching that ceiling is because they have that type of mentality or that motor, you know. If you look, and, and people kill me for saying this about Moncada, but makata is not an aggressive player. That plays into some of his inconsistencies, period. And people will push back on that, but that's the truth. You can see the difference in how and I'm not talking about how they look as far as their looks, you know, um, physique and he all that. You got Jordan
4: Cleeks on.
0: I'm talking about – I'm talking <laughs> about
4: – He's up a bat right now with two men on him. Let's go.
0: I'm talking about yeah. how they play the game, man, the way they attack the game, you know, as far as I just, just Robert aggressiveness, how he goes after of it. Everything is just totally different. So that's why one will consistently hit those numbers and the other guy Will not consistently hit those numbers. Not saying Moncada is a bad player. I think he's a very, very valuable player. My plus minus. Well, he just, shows hey, that. Hey, hey, Mac, right now. What are you Bloke do? on second, bloke don't on third. Don't tell me he struck out. He fucking pops out
4: to fucking center field.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, it was two, two outs then? It was two outs then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finished. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's going to happen. At least, he hit, at least he didn't strike out. At least he didn't strike
4: oh, what out. What fucking difference did it make? <laughs> Damn, Aussie. It's hard All to right. hit a baseball.
2: <laughs> I think here oh, not, I think there are a lot of things, and Mac, you're kind of getting into it. When you're projecting floors and ceilings, is scoring
4: them too, When you're projecting floors,
2: and ceilings, too, <laughs> you're projecting floors <laughs> and ceilings, it's there's no way for me to tell you if a player is going to consistently hit a ceiling or not. I don't have a number behind it. I can give you ideas. I can say if a guy's going to hit the ball more often than not hard, hit the ball hard more often than not, he's more likely to do a little bit more damage. If he puts the ball on a line and in the air more often and he hits it hard, he's going to do more damage, get closer to that ceiling. There's still that element that kind of, Mac, you're talking about, like some players, the way in which they approach the game and how they deal with struggles and deal with failures and, and what they prioritize in terms of their own development is going to change. Where you wind up as a ball player, straight up, it's going to, and I get what you're saying there with Moncada. You know, the difference for me a little bit between Abreu and Moncada is Abreu is such a polished ball player, like, absolutely polished, played overseas, came over here, knows how to play the game because he's played it for so long and, and he's kind of been a leader for so long. He approaches yeah. the game differently than someone like Moncada, who's still, again, he's young. He's not rookie. He's not as he mature
0: get, as a Braille either.
2: He's there, there's a maturity aspect yeah. too. So it's like as again, it's learning how to deal with struggles and what's important in your own development and what's important to you. How are you dealing with failure? You know, there, there are good things Funkad is doing this year. He's walking more than he ever has. Mm-hmm. He's also striking out less than he ever has. Mm-hmm. Like, even though it's at a twenty five percent clip, that's about league average. Like that is. It was 30% last year in his best season. It was 28. He is striking out at the lowest rate he ever has. Mm. So there there are positives in what he's doing, but, but the output of the power specifically that's something where now it, it comes down to what's your approach? What's your approach in uh, well, team
3: That's a team-based uh, thing, not to cut you off, Jordy, but the White Sox been the ground ball kings of the world. He never was a right power now. hitter, though.
0: He never was a power no, hitter. No, yes, he was. No, he was yes, not. He was. never. Because you, never. you're using power as
3: volume of He never of home had run. a Bobby Witt type Hold on. Hold minor on, league man. season. Because never. When you say power, that doesn't mean volume of swings they get over the fence. When I say power, I mean, how easy it easy is it for you to get the ball over somebody's head? Mm-hmm. How easy is it for you to cash in, sacrifice flies? Power is production. The easiest way to uh, score in baseball, either hit the I, home run or get... I don't, run never, I don't get,
0: necessarily agree with that. Because to that's me, fine. now you disrespecting power hitters. you disrespecting Frank Thomas, who consistently put up thirty plus home runs, you disrespect. Yeah. Him. Frank
3: Thomas was a good hitter. We don't even got to talk. But that. he was a power hitter also,
0: though. Is you what think I'm there's saying. There's a difference, though. He could be them. a
3: base hit. If Frank Thomas ain't have no power, he would still be a great hitter because of approach, eye, <laughs> and agree.
0: consistency. I agree with that wholeheartedly. But, but, it's, but, a but a me, it's a difference. It's a, it's difference. a me
4: Point because he was a power Yeah,
0: it's, it's a difference between I, a power hitter and a good hitter. Magical is a good. Hitter, but he's not a power hitter. Is it, um, what's my man name? Uh, forgive me, rest in peace. Tony Gwynn, great hitter, but he's not a power hitter. Uh, uh, the guy for the twins, uh, wasn't Ron Carew, Joe Mauer. No, no, well, Joe Maurer too, he was good, but um, I think Ray Carew or something like that. Ron, I'm Rod fucking Carew. his name Rod Yeah. Ron Carew, Carew. Rod Carew. He, yeah, he was a great Carew. hitter, but he wasn't a
4: fucking power hitter. And my so boy Roberto Alomar. I'm going to say, say his name again. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a power you,
3: hitter at all. You
4: you can view it
2: though as a difference between gap power and raw home run power. When I when I think this is just my perspective. Let's talk about Nick Mantra, Someone who I said I need him to develop a little bit of power. What mm-hmm. I meant was just being able to split gaps. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't need him to be a twenty. Thank you, player. Jordy. I needed yeah. him to hit. 25-30 doubles. People are like, oh, I want him to be the next Jose Lyle-Overbay
4: type I'm season. I'm like,
2: I'll take a 25-30 double, 30 double season. Like, that's incredibly productive. Like, that sort of power mm-hmm. is it, – it's dependent on the player. Like Yo, know, Moncada, I'll take – what's he at right now? Just looking at – in terms of I – mean, he's at a 25-double season. Like, if you can get that to 30 doubles, 15 homers – I'm good with that, knowing that he has more raw power in the tank still. And if we want to change that to an approach that prioritizes home run power, what you're going to probably see as a result is a little bit more on the strikeout side.
4: Okay, I'll take how that. Many, how many, how many home runs? I'll
3: take a couple uh, K's from a guy with a good eye.
4: How many home runs does Moncada have, did you say? 11? 11 currently. Eleven currently, and it's yeah. September. So let's say look,
2: maybe he hits fifteen
0: this year. Maybe, maybe. let's
4: just maybe, go fifteen.
3: If he Moncada never, was a second never, baseman, he's
0: never going to be a consistent five hundred slug guy. I'm telling you, no. I, not gonna I would happen. not project him as a five hundred slug. Guy. He's never really? going to be a consistent five hundred slug guy, and he's never going to be a guy that consistently have a OPS above like eight thirty, eight forty. I'm telling you. Not, I, I mean, it's not gonna happen, bro. It's not. He doesn't have. He doesn't have that power. He, everybody look at man, him because he's, he's, not he's strong. He's a nine he, out of ten. on Because he got muscles. Ten, nine you know, out of ten. Yeah. So <laughs> he, yeah he, everybody he, look at him. Everybody look at him because he got muscles and think he's a power hitter. That, it, it's a thing. It's a saying. Or are those show muscles or go muscles? It's a different So if you can, you can do something like he ain't put no
3: ball 450, 460 before Max. Stop
0: playing with it's, this man. Bro, you probably can get lucky and hit a ball 300 feet. That don't mean you consistently <laughs> going to do it. Well, he
3: luckier than me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he, he's, he's really nice no Scott Rowland now, is he? He's nice no, no yeah. Scott Rowland. Right? People need to appreciate him for what he is. He's yeah. a very athletic third baseman who can get on base, who's probably going to be a 15-25 to 25 home run a year guy, anywhere in between that. He's probably gonna bat anywhere from 265 to I even give him 300. I'm not saying he gonna hit 300, but I'm Damn. saying he'll be somewhere. I don't somewhere... think he
3: ever be a 300. I'm either. not saying.
0: I'm saying he already was. I'm saying he'll be somewhere in between 265 and 300. I'm saying his home runs would be anywhere between 15 home runs, 25 home okay. runs. I'm All saying right. he'll be a close to 8 820 OPS guy, he'll probably have an on base percentage consistently around three sixty to three eighty somewhere in there, and that's then and, and he'll give you Gold Glove, uh, defense pretty decent base runner. What more can you ask for? That's what you Jordan
3: know. cleats, gold chain. <laughs> Robin, <laughs> a, Robin but as you're
2: describing it, that's a damn good ball player. Yeah, that's a good ball player. That's a solid and, ball player. I'm
1: a I, I, ball
4: player, exactly, and we're happy to have him on our team, but don't put up fucking Michael Phelps seven fucking gold medals in a week and, and expect us to fucking not complain when he doesn't do well.
2: So, and, and here's where some of the – it, it kind of all rolls back up into, you know, number one overall prospects. Recently, we've seen guys like Wanda Franco and vlad jr and ronald acuna and you look at those types of guys but for every one of those types of guys there's an andrew benintendi there's a Jerkson and
0: profar adele there's Ooh. a jason hayward these are all guys that were a, top a joe one adele prospects. a joe adele well i don't know he was top three joe adele joe adele was top lewis
4: three. brinson yeah. are you Br- Br- Mancata.
0: so but where do you put him you don't put him <laughs> at the stud level yeah Necessarily, I mean, what, you don't put him in Robert the same set. Robert was
1: top
0: as three. Acuna. Top three. Robert was top three. He never made. He never Robert made was one top because. Two, I believe, yep. yeah. Yeah. So it's like I mean, you
2: look I mean, at some you, of the historical names. Like uh, here, here's
0: but a Jordan. Know how it goes Jordan Dublog. So you you got to think, Izzy, and it's the truth. I'm just gonna give you this, a little inside of how they do it. These guys cannot who do these rankings They cannot see all these guys consistently. They can't. So what they do is they use, if they know some scouts or whatever, they use information that some of those scouts give them. They use information that the team give them. They use information from some other talent evaluators that may give them. And then if they happen to see them with with their eyes, and then they put out and they look at some numbers, then they put out some rankings. But the truth is, some of the information that they get can't be trashed, because a lot of organizations, say for instance, like a first-round pick or an international prospect that they then gave millions of dollars to, the team is not going to come out and say, "Well, this guy's not what we thought." Some teams may have, but a lot of teams are not going to come out and say that they're not going to come out and say well, this guy is. This guy Not gonna happen, pal. Terrible. You know what I mean? Just look how long, because of Zach Collins' status as a first-round pick. Look how long he stayed relevant. Mm-hmm. He was even the top 100 prospect at one time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When he got drafted, he was in the top 100. So you got you got to look at that. There are certain skill sets when you
2: look at what, and you can look through the historical rankings, and you'll see. The type of skill set that puts a player at the top of that list. Athletic ball player. Loud tools. Good power. Good power in the minor leagues. Like, I mean, you even look at some of these guys. like Great eyes. Like, there, There's a type of ball player that Byron gets number one. Byron yeah. Buxton, consistently
3: Absolutely. number one.
2: Everywhere. Yeah. I think he was one of the consensus ones.
3: Yeah, That shit was sick, man. But like, something he was happens. at the top. Exactly. Something happens
2: between the rankings and the minor leagues and the games today that there's a ceiling that's either hit sometimes, sometimes you're Vlad Jr. and you're Ronald Acuna, sometimes you're Jason Hayward, you're Jerickson Profar, or you're somewhere in between them.
4: And sometimes you're Justin Green-Eye that can't hear the fucking (laughs) shit. (laughs) Hey, 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 Jordan, I'd love to go piggybacking off that do you and I've asked this question a couple of weeks ago do you think that's got anything to do with the wooden bats <laughs> and aluminum bats
2: that is something that I think more so now than before has really become something that scouts focus on topic. Scouts, yeah. yep. and scouts will say and you'll read scouting reports and they'll be like performed great in college but in Cape Cod League where they first used wood bats like Dude struggled with wood bats. Like
4: they suck. Yeah,
2: something to keep on the monitor.
4: Yeah, they try too hard because everyone's got their their natural swing, right? Mm -hmm. And their natural swing, and then the natural swing only goes three eighty when the fence is three fifty. So, yeah that that's always been my topic.
0: When is college baseball gonna get rid of the aluminium bats? They not put
4: them to wood.
0: They not it's too much Why? it's too I don't much think money gonna... it's too much money involved in endorsement and not only that wooden bats you got to think even though college season is short how many of those bats going to break you talking in BP in the game
4: get them to the MLB man they
1: they not going to spend it, that money that's what that, the
2: minors is for and if you but the thing is if you do that you you run a dangerous situation as you know I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this. You Guys gonna, will flame out earlier.
0: Yeah. And you're going to lose it's some like of that bum. power. <laughs> Shit. You're gonna you're going to lose some of that power that makes, you know, that attract some people to watching the college mm-hmm. game. You're going to lose some of that you know, and they're hey, no wait. one, hey Matt, come on, man, no one, no one's fucking going to watch a college game. <laughs> There's a lot of people watching Southern games. No, one, no one's going to, college, going to college game to watch <laughs> power. Hey man, Ole Miss, LSU, those guys pulling yeah, some, some numbers. School. Yeah, they, but they, they but put Vanderbilt. some
4: hickory in the fucking player's arm. If you can't hit it, then go fucking was <laughs> <What's> and... that. <laughs> but
2: what you're no. saying about using the wood bats? That's a straight up. That would be. A, a decision that would really benefit Major League Baseball
0: Not in terms of game, they would though. just
2: some of the the signing bonuses and would not be nearly as high. Some of the picks that go top in the draft would not go as
4: high, but you're you're starting to see that though.
1: Yeah. You're, you're starting, starting to see it, it. and you're and
2: starting and you're to, start see...
4: to see maybe you start to see well, some. And the summer a league a is what if you guys getting some more Louis Louisville Slugger fucking bats coming up to them and playing with them in Sit the summer and the it. summer
0: league is is uh they play with uh like cape Cod league all that they play yeah. with wooden bats but the college mm-hmm. game I'm telling you the money the endorsement deals they're yeah. not gonna do it and then you gotta think all those kids are playing well not now and mo- and a lot of travel ball especially the high end tournaments they playing with wooden bats so a lot of the you know um Perfect game tournaments is wooden bat tournaments, but to uh, your
2: point, wooden bats
0: all around. I reckon.
4: Yeah, sorry, Jordan. You got
2: my- I was gonna say to your point though, scouts, scouting reports. Teams are looking at it. Teams are looking at how do you perform with a wood bat because that's gonna yeah. happen,
0: that's gonna change your development path too. Oh, absolutely, it should. Yeah, yeah. Now my 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 last question for you because I I gotta give you credit. You was one of the. uh, Guys who jumped on cease early uh it was a lot of people criticizing cease and i want and I'm gonna add this to it uh you people should be thinking giving Tony LaRusa some credit to cease development. he's really helped cease mature when you guys wanted uh Tony LaRusa to snatch everybody out of the game early, the first sign of trouble, and he stuck with him. I'm telling you. That stuff played a role in Cease' development. Him learning how to get out of trouble. Him learning what pitches he can use to get out of trouble. All that helped him with his development. But, Jordan, you was one of the first to, you know, even when Cease wasn't doing good. Even when everybody was ragging on him, saying, oh, my God, get this guy out of the game. Put him in the bullpen. Send him down. You stuck with him. So what is it? you've seen and sees even when he was terrible, that you said, you know what, no, this guy deserves to stay up. He, he deserves to continue to get opportunities.
2: I think it's most of it comes from the standpoint of when you look at someone who has that good of stuff in terms of just how sharp a curveball breaks, how tightly that slider spins, and, and how foolish it makes hitters look. I mean, even now, he'll miss five, six feet outside the zone when a slider, and guys are swinging at. It's like how 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 difficult is it when that guy's on the mound to read his pitches that you're swinging at pitches like that, that that for some reason looked like a strike to you, or at least close enough to the zone where you thought it might be a strike.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: When, when, with Cease, it's a, it was a combination of just raw talent and an understanding that someone like him, and, and you read a lot of reports. I think this comes into a, a coaching conversation of understanding what works best for a player. Sees to someone like that dude looks like he, he's in his head all freaking day. And that's where you need someone like an Ethan Katz who brings a little bit more of an analytical side of things to be like, hey, here's how I tailor things so that you understand. And that I can help you the best. And, and here are some routines that fit a very, I guess, nerdy analytical type player very well. <laughs> like he, he is, he seems like a true numbers nerd. Like I, he probably loves looking at his, no, I, in my opinion. And it's having someone who coaches along. with. Him. I never thought, and, and it's not a knock to Don Cooper, but I never, not every pitching coach is going to jive with, his, his pitchers. I, I doubt Ethan Katz really jives with the Dallas Kiker, Lance Lynn too much. I bet they kind of just do their own thing. He helps out here and there. But they're left to their own devices. Lance Lynn's just going to do his thing because it's been successful. So, But some of those key relationships are a huge part of it. And, and that's where seeing a new pitching coach come in. Someone who you know, early reports were that Cats really did not want to trade Cease when Cease's name was on the market this offseason for a guy like Lynn and stuff like that. So it's that belief in the player and what he saw as well in in terms of, you know, I can fix this. I can see what needs to be done and I can work with it. And Giolito and Cease were very, very similar pitchers in terms of having good stuff and not knowing where it was going. I do an extent. Steve still has his moments where he doesn't have a clue where the ball is going, and you can see it. But it's that raw talent that is so so hard to give up on at a young age. That and you've seen teams make those mistakes and give up on guys too early. You don't want to see the White Sox make a mistake. I'd rather them hang on to a guy a little bit too long, and he just doesn't work out, than have a guy get away. And you wish he,
3: he, he didn't. Pedro and, Martinez is the perfect example. Yeah. That's who Dylan Cease is, except Cease doesn't have Pedro's changeup. Cease has a devastating knuckle curve that he starts, counts off, and he just wipes you away with the slider. Uh, the key to Dylan Cease is his walks, you know, per yep. nine innings. Uh, with his stuff, I could live with two and a half walks, maybe even three because I know he's going to be at 11 to 12 uh, K per nine. Anyway, his whip is going to be, you know, a sub, you know, 1.7. So that's going to be great for a guy with his rotation responsibility at the age of 25. We did a great job bringing in Ethan Katz to try to reset him. We started his development off with uh, Don Cooper. It wasn't getting through, obviously, because the walks were still there. And Don Cooper didn't stop Dylan Cease from flying open on the mound. That's why he was walking, mm-hmm. guys. And, you know, 4-0 counts when the slider was just peeling right off the plate and instead of staying closed, and you're getting more uh, vertical movement instead of, you know, uh, east to west.
0: Well, he was playing around, Jord- too,
3: when he had 2 2 yeah, counts. because he over. had four pitches that he could command on a dime. Jordy, you see what's coming out of my man's hand.
2: Hundred percent, and that's where it comes now to the Larusa point you made, Mac, about understanding that you just threw ninety pitches in four innings. I need you to get through a fifth. Go out there and get me through a fifth inning, and do whatever the hell you got to do to get me through a fifth inning. It's, it's pitching with that conviction that no one's gonna hit me, like believing that. I don't have put your nuts on before.
3: the table
2: every like, fifth day. <laughs> yeah, your nuts on the table. It's it's understanding that my stuff, and, and even if it's not, having the belief that, hey, my stuff is better than anyone they're going to put out there, and I'm going to attack as such. So leaving him in, um, in, in crucial, not crucial situations, but game changing situations, and letting him work in and out of trouble, sending him back out there with 95 pitches and saying, give me another inning. Like mm-hmm. those are the times you learn to trust your. What other choice do you have but to trust your stuff and hope it gets you through the inning with ten or fifteen pitches? You're next. gonna
3: tell TLR, no, I'm already at right? 95 and I'm sweaty.
2: It's Hell like, no, it's like I got ten to fifteen more pitches in me. My manager wants me to go get three more outs. I'm gonna have to attack the zone, and that's where he learns. that like, a man up? Oh dang, I got real good stuff. Hear it I out. Got to trust it more. That's level 202 for six. He's found the zone. He's lowered the walk rate. He's he's done some of the deeper metrics to raise the strikeout rate and fix his fastball. Now it's when you get to 0-2, don't turn it to 3-2 anymore. Before, you weren't even getting me to 0-2. Now you're getting me to 0-2, 1-2, don't turn it into 2-2, 3-2. Figure out how to trust your stuff enough to where you're placing it on the corners. And you're letting it fall a little off the corner too because you know they're going to swing at it anyway.
3: Hey, like, Gio yeah, got more swing and misses than Cease, and Cease got more strikeouts. Let that sink in.
2: It's just, it's a weird game of finishing. putting things in the zone, and when they're not in the zone, throwing them with conviction so that they look like strikes for 58 feet. Don't try and nibble. Trust your stuff to move, trust your stuff to break. Trust it to look good. And that's that's that next element for a pitcher of, I just got to trust my stuff, man. I, I know where it's going now. I got to trust it.
0: Quick question to all you guys. And then we'll leave it at on that note. So from one to three, one being the mo- most confident, of course, three being the least confidence. I want you to give me these pictures. One to three. So one being a guy, you most confident in his future. Three being a guy you least confident in the other two guys in his future. So cease. Giolito, Kopatch, we'll let you go last, Jordan, since you the guest. Give me that's a tough question. (laughs) Give me who you're confident in. One, two, and three.
3: Aussie, kick it off, man, because I'm gonna get fucking canceled right now.
0: We waiting on you, Isaac. Oh no, I, I was waiting for Justin to talk. No, he did, he going oh, last. He, did. he going he going last. So oh, give, he's going last. Yeah, all get, right. Get, well, give me well, your
4: three. You know you, you, you bloke snow my stance on Kopek. Who is that? Kopek is my man. Kopek is the reason we traded fucking Chris Sale. Kopek is our future. Kopek me. Cease, and then Geo.
0: Okay.
3: Uh, You're fucking backwards. You were supposed to say Cease, Kopec, and Geo. And the only reason why I'm putting hey, dude,
4: hey, When Mac was asking the question, I jotted some shit down. I can't even read my own writing. So I'm not really sure what I've put there, but I know.
1: (laughs) You wrote it with your foot?
4: But we all know Kopec. And I'm watching Grandel, I'm fucking the game coming. Alright, <laughs> K uh, pick. Number one for me.
0: Cease. Cease G. and G. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, I'll give you my list, then you can go green now. I'm um, gonna go with uh yeah. I'm actually gonna go Cease one. Yeah. I'm gonna go Co-patch two. And I'm gonna go Giolito three. The reason being. We haven't seen Kopech as a starting pitcher uh, in, shit, two years or three damn near three years.
4: I ain't give a fuck.
0: <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> at least I've gotten to see Cease mature, you know, kind of like clam, climb the ladder of uh, maturity. And I like his stuff over Giolito's stuff. And to me, the most important part with Cease is really the mental aspect of the game because I think he got everything he needs physically. And I think to some extent, that's the same thing with Gio. But I got Gio third because, I mean, I, like I'm an old school guy. I just couldn't take him throwing his pitching, his handpicked pitching coach and his manager under the bus. That one game where they should have took me out, they should have known I was tired. I couldn't take the crying shit. I ain't gonna lie to you. So, he go third automatically just because of that.
3: Alright. Well, this is really easy for me. I'm going Dylan Cease 1 because I can get Lucas Giolito's uh, lineage. Dylan could give me the 6 innings and still have better stuff than Gio. I'm going to go Kopech, too, because he has better stuff than Gio, and I could be very, very versatile with Michael Kopech, bringing him out the pen. I could actually ask him to close a game if Kimbrel or Hendricks, you know, get in trouble, and it goes into that weird Rob Manfred extra-inning bullshit that I love and I hate. And then I'm going to go Gio 3, because I can't wait until this season ends, and we're going to find out that Dylan Cease in 2021 – was better than Lucas in twenty nineteen. What the eye test is going to prove that the the social test when in fact there was no ace in front of Lucas Giolito when he had his best year in a White Sox uniform. So who sets the fucking bar? Where is the hierarchy at when D, when Dylan Cease give us the improvement that we've been begging for?
1: Good girl, Max a,
3: it, baby. Yeah, Lance Lynn was in the rotation. We we uh, we. Carlos he career easily could have got Max Scherzer. Scherzer. We didn't need to make that move because we knew Dylan Cease was going to get better every start. And that was a calculated that. risk. That was a calculated risk that Rick Washington
4: would have given Gavin sheets. Then I wouldn't, they would have taken <laughs> Gavin Sheets and Jimmy Lambert for Max Scherzer. And we would have won the world series this year. We still might. Jimmy Lambert
3: is undefeated in September for the Chicago. Exactly. White
4: Sox. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Rick Hahn strikes again. <laughs> <laughs> give, give Washington, Gavin Sheets, and Jimmy Lambert. We would have had Max Scherzer for fucking
0: four months. Who, who, who the Dodgers who you go- needed Max Scherzer more than we did. No, no, that's what I ain't gonna say that. <laughs> now, uh, yeah. who you go? Who you going with? Fucking Giants <laughs> are forty
3: games over five hundred. <laughs> who, who, who you going in, with, Jordan? Second place. Who you, who I got.
2: I got the same uh, line of you. Did Cease has the best pure stuff of all of them. Yeah. And because he's shown growth, I'm confident he can do it again into the next season. Kopech's number two, because I still haven't seen, and it's probably a function of being a reliever this season, a consistent third pitch. Whether it's going to be the changeup or the curveball, what's going to be your third offering? Because you have, he has the best fastball. I don't think he has the best stuff, but he has the best fastball, and that's going to go yeah. a long, long way. And, and he has pretty pinpoint command at times. Especially uh, at the
3: top of the zone, too.
2: Yeah, he struggled recently, don't get me wrong, but w- when he's on, pinpoint command, and he knows where that ball is going every time. Gio's third, because I think we've seen, I, I don't think, in terms of just pure ability, Giolito's getting much better. I think we know what Giolito is as a ball player, and it's going to be a mid-threes, ERA-type pitcher, He's going to strike out a ton. He's going to walk some here and there, but he's going to be a consistent ball player. I think in terms of stuff, his is it's hard to say it's the worst because he's got the best changeup out of all of them. So he has one of the best pitches, but because this is now year three and 2019, 2020, 2021 have all looked very similar. He's had some worse starts in 2021, but all three seasons have looked very similar.
3: He's been the same guy.
2: He's the same guy, so that's. But it's a solid guy. Like that's someone I want near the top of my
3: rotation too. Sounds like Moncada, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, same argument, same affinity my, for the player.
2: There is nothing <laughs> wrong. Lee is a top of the rotation guy for a lot, a lot of teams. For him to not, for him to be three in this conversation, is an absolute luxury. Yeah. For the White Sox moving forward, I agree with that. At, and I don't think putting him three is a knock when it's Cease and Kopet before him because those guys still have ceilings we haven't seen yet, and that's kind of where it comes.
3: That's scary.
2: Yeah, that's really scary for if you're not a fan of the White Sox, knowing those two guys are in the rotation next year and you haven't seen the best of
3: them. Sorry, Twins Ted, it's over.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, Twins Ted, uh, that my way. and somebody need to do a wellness check on him. It's been a rough season him like he's for that guy, but I think even the dinosaurs and the Metrics guys guys can agree that that is very scary. Yeah. But I mean, this was a hell of an episode. I got I got to play this because Ozzy went ham today. I mean, God dang! Oh.
1: Oh,
3: yeah, don't okay, you selfish.
0: Ozzy went ham like a motherfucker today. But anyway, that was a good episode of Black and White. I hope you guys tune in again. Uh, till we meet again, go White Sox, Southside versus everybody. And, uh, yeah, fuck you haters.